amen, amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah, it's good to be in the house of the Lord here tonight. Anybody grateful to be in God's house? Hallelujah. Man, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Acts chapter verse, uh, chapter 1, verse number 8. Hallelujah. Amen. Might be a little nerdy of me, but I love that song. You know what? If we ever lose our thankfulness and gratefulness of what God has done for us, we'll lose our worship. You know, that... That's really the root cause of why some people lose their worship. They forget where they came from. I don't ever want to forget where I came from, the pit which God dug me out of. Because if I ever forget, oh man, if I ever forget what God has done for me, David would put it this way, if I ever forget Jerusalem, let my hands forget how to work, my fingers forget how to play and and, and, and if I ever forget, let me just forget everything else too. If I ever forget my chief joy, Jerusalem, and what God has done in my life. Amen. He made the difference. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. I'll read this and then let you be seated. The Bible says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall... Notice how it doesn't say maybe, might, could be. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You shall be witnesses unto me. And I want to teach for just a little while here tonight about excellence in evangelism excellence in evangelism. Would you set your Bibles down and let's pray all across the building that God would help us. Hallelujah. I'm teaching to a group of Holy Ghost filled apostolic people and when we're filled with that spirit, we shall be witnesses. Oh, somebody pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Teach us here tonight. In Jesus' name, somebody give him a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him it's good to see you. And then you can be seated in the house of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Excellence in evangelism. First, I want to start off here today by saying thank you to everyone that made our Easter service possible. Amen. That's all right. Give him a hand clap. Whether you were greeting, you were ushering, you were in the back working with kids, or you were just shaking a visitor's hand, or with, whether you went with us out on outreach, I want to say uh, thank you because it made it happen. Sister Michelle, I'm making all those snacks, and, and hallelujah. Somebody shout over that. I'm going to tell you right now, some people are anointed to sing. I never got that gift, and then there's some people that are anointed to cook. I didn't get that gift either, but... Sister Machado did, hallelujah. I love when Brother Reyes talks about food. I, I, I purposely put a lot of food things in the announcements um, so that he can read them, and I, you can see him salivating, thinking about it. It just makes everybody else get excited about it, so amen. But it was a wonderful time. I'm so, th so thankful and grateful for the move of God that we had here. Um, we went out on outreach, and, and, and that's 
part of what I'm going to be talking about here today. We went out on outreach last Saturday. There was about 13 people. Thank you for all that were able to make it. I understand some had some other things going on. Uh, but we hit up a couple apartment complexes. And I believe we had 15 new kids on the bus from one outreach. So you've come too late to tell me it doesn't work. And uh, they, it looks like they just were having a good time. And, and that's what we want. We want to see... Uh, people come into the house of God, and, and we want to see young kids, and, and we want to see old people too. We want to see everybody come and, and receive what we have received, and that's why I've got to teach about this here tonight um, in our excellent series, Excellence in Evangelism. What does it mean to evangelize or to be a witness? Well, Brother Webster's dictionary teaches us that evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. To be a witness is an open profession of one's religious faith through words or actions. It also means to give or to serve as evidence of, to testify to. We're going to pull up Acts 1 and 8 one more time. So why do we, why do we evangelize? Why do we Witness. Why is this part of the Christian gospel? Well, it's in our birth, if you could put it that way. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, Jude 1 and 23. Let me just talk about that verse previous, uh, that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you've already got the power to be a witness. Well, pastor, I'm an introvert. Well, have you got the Holy Ghost? You've got the power to be a witness. Amen. Well, I, I wasn't born to be the kind of person that talks to people. Well, when you were born again, you were born again with the power to be a witness. Hallelujah. So it's in your birth, amen, your new birth experience to be a witness. The Bible says, and of others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. In other words, God has saved us with the sole intent of being witnesses to him. One of the main reasons that God reached down his loving arms into our lives is so that we can reach our arms back into the fire and pull others out. Amen. That goes right back to forgetting where we came from. If we ever forget where we come from, we will forget to reach back to where we came from. Hallelujah. If anybody ever forgets that they were once on a bar stool, they will not reach back to that person. Oh, they're too filthy. They're too dirty. They're... If you ever forget that you were just a kid when they picked you up, hello, hallelujah, you will not have the compassion on another kid coming from a drug home. If you ever forget you were a young man that was hooked on every kind of drug, you'll see young men coming in and young ladies coming in hooked on every kind of drug, and you'll forget to reach back into the fire that they're burning in right now and pull them out. Man, if we ever forget that, we will not be witnesses. But God did not fill us with the Holy Ghost so we could sit back in a, in a nice AC building and talk in tongues. I want to I I help expel everybody's belief that we got the Holy Ghost, amen, just so we could do whirly birds and we could shout around the building. 
You didn't get the Holy Ghost so you could speak in tongues and, and learn Chinese in the Spirit. No, you got the Holy Ghost for one purpose, and that is to be a witness. God gave us the Holy Ghost so we would have the power to go and tell somebody else about the Holy Ghost. God didn't give us this experience so we could be higher and mightier than everybody else that's lost and undone. It's not to look down our long religious noses at everybody else and say, well, I got it and you don't. I'm on my way up. You're on your way down. No. God gave us the Holy Ghost, amen, so that we could go and reach our hands back in the fire. Amen. And that fire wouldn't burn us because we ain't tempted by that no more. And we're not. That fire doesn't affect us anymore. Why? Because we got a fire on the inside that's much more hot than any fire out there. Hallelujah. I have no problem talking to a drug addict about God. I'll tell you why. Because I got the fire of the Holy Ghost that is hotter than the fire of the drugs this man be spoken. I'm not afraid to tell somebody about Jesus because there's a fire burning on the inside that is more potent and it is more powerful and it is more addictive than any drug, any drink, any experience. I've got an experience that goes beyond everything else. Hallelujah. And God saved us. That's why God filled us with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We do believe that, that speaking in tongues is the sign and it's the sign that we've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But some people have, have relegated the Holy Ghost to just speaking in tongues. And that they just sit and they, they will sit in their prayer corner and they will talk in tongues until Jesus comes. But I want to tell you, if that's all you do with the Holy Ghost, you are misusing the Holy Ghost. If that's all a born-again believer does, they are wasting the power. That is like having the fastest car on earth and never putting your foot on the pedal. That's like having the most powerful gun and never pulling the trigger. If you don't use the Holy Ghost for its intended purpose, you are wasting it. Hallelujah. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. God saved us to be a witness. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? Why did God call us all those wonderful things? Now, peculiar doesn't mean weird. Those that think, well, I'm just a weird apostolic. No, it's where we get the word. It's, it's from the Greek word pecuniary, which means movable treasure. God looks and says, you are my movable treasure. Well, why does God move his treasures around? I'll tell you why God moves his treasures around. That you should show forth the praises of him that's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God pulled that movable treasure out of the darkness and he cleaned it up. It's like a diamond being pulled out of the coal, and he, and he dusted it off, and he cleaned it off. He didn't clean it off so he could say, I'm cleaner than everybody else, and I'm more holier than thou. No, he said, so I can move you around and get you where the light will hit you just right, and it'll shine off on somebody else. Yeah, that's what it meant. So you could show forth the praises of him that's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which at one time, we were not a people. Again, don't forget where you come from. But now we are the people of God, which at one point had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. In other words, what Jesus Christ has done for us is worth sharing with everybody else. Amen. Remember, what we talk about is a great insight to what we really believe. If we are too busy talking about the latest sports game, mm-hmm. 
Hollywood trash and the latest movie coming out, or maybe that's not your vice. Maybe it's the latest church gossip or the latest person you don't like. And maybe it's the latest message I preach you don't like or the latest thing I taught you don't like. Or you're, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe it's not anything negative. Maybe it's just talking about your latest outfit or you fill in the blank. If all we do is talk about those things but we don't talk about Jesus, there's something drastically wrong in the church. got to make sure that our conversation is always focusing back on Jesus. That doesn't mean we don't talk about the weather, but every so often we got we got to scale back and we got to remember who made the weather. Hallelujah. The world and other religions have no problem pushing their beliefs down everyone's throat, but but sometimes an apostolic will get choked up when it's their turn. The heathen around us live loud for their gods and their idols. I think it's time for the apostolic church to stand up. I think it's time for the apostolic church to live for and to proclaim the one true living God. Because the last time I checked, no sports star never healed anybody. The last time I checked, the latest rap song and the latest this, that, and the other, the latest thing trending on Twitter never changed anybody's life. But you're looking at a group and a room full of people that could tell you that what could not work in the world, only Jesus was able to make it work. You are looking at a group of people that at one time were not a people, that were in darkness, that were not in light, but God has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. And we recognize nothing else in this world will work. We've got to realize, and, and let me just put a plug there. If you don't believe that Jesus is the only thing that's going to work in this world, you'll be a terrible witness. But if you are fully convinced that nothing else will do. If you think Alcoholics Anonymous is, is going to be sufficient. Oh, no, all they need is a 12-step program. You'll not be a good witness for Jesus. I'll tell you how it's not a good program. Because Alcoholics Anonymous says every time you show up, you got to admit what you are. I am Steve, and I'm an alcoholic. And you stand up in front of your peers and say, I am this. I am a drug addict. I am an alcoholic. But when you come into an apostolic church, you can walk in whatever you want to put your tagline, alcoholic, and you'll walk out an apostolic. Hey, I might have used to be. I was, but I am not that anymore. And I don't have to proclaim that, and I don't have to claim that. Why? Because Jesus made the difference. Oh, somebody shout and give God praise. Oh, somebody give him praise tonight. Hallelujah. Now, I thank God for every external program. That, that, that goes on to try to help people get off drugs. I'm not against. Somebody wants to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous and come to the Apostolic Church, feel free. But by the time you leave this building and the Holy Ghost gets done with you, you'll walk out and not be addicted to anything but Jesus. I got to put a testimony out there. I'll never forget. We went into it. We went into a, 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 a. It's called ABHS, American Behavioral Health Systems. It's a. It's a drug rehabilitation center in Spokane. They've got several of them. They got about in one unit. They've got about 250, 200, something like that men. They have. They have two options. Either you go to ABHS or you go to jail. 
Some got the third option, you go to ABHS and then you go to jail. But, uh, but we got in there, we started teaching Bible studies. We started with just two people. And, and they have all the, they have to they have to allow all religious groups in and in fact I drove around Carson I saw that there's there's something very similar to that and we might get in there here in a moment but uh, but but I went in there and we started teaching Bible says just two guys and before it was all said and done they had started clearing out the the Indian smudge groups they started clear we started clearing out the alcoholics anonymous the narcotics anonymous and, and they started getting, they, it started off in a little room, and they were okay when we were in the little room. But the minute that we moved to the cafeteria, and all of a sudden, we started clearing out every other group that they get a kickback of money from. And they all of a sudden started people not just being repeat offenders, but they started coming out of the drug home and never going back. They got a little scared that we might start an uprising. They didn't realize we already started one a long time ago. And before it was all said and done, we had about 150 men, full-grown, just ex-convicts, drug addicts, all these. I'm talking tatted up, everything, rings everywhere, looked like a tackle box blew up in their face. And, and they came, and you see full-grown men just bawling, and there was a whole side for the ladies. We started clearing that out, too. I'm telling you, this gospel works, folks. This gospel works. And I preach it in such a way there, and I'll preach it to you all here. That it's, this thing works, whereas Alcoholics Anonymous, you'll have to keep going for the rest of your life. And I preach the same thing to those guys. You'll have to keep going for the rest of your life. But if you get the blood of Jesus on your life. Amen. So what am I saying? We've got to be fully convinced. You've got to be convinced and you've got to be, you've got to be so persuaded, as Paul said, that nothing else will work but Jesus. Let me take it a step further. You've got to be fully persuaded of the apostolic doctrine. We've been teaching on doctrine. You want to know why we're teaching on doctrine? Because there is, there is something going through even the Pentecostal movement that, that has got people so tripped up that why would I tell the Baptist why, how they should be saved when they're fine the way they are? I didn't mean to get up on this. I'm watching my time. But let me tell you, there's something known as the light doctrine. They're saved based on what they know. And there are prominent Pentecostal preachers that have propagated that. I want to tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. There is only one way to be saved. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And this is why, that, this is why apostolic churches get so wrapped up amongst other religious groups. I didn't come to Carson City to join a council of churches. Amen. I didn't. I didn't show up for us to work together to win the city when they're tending the city the opposite direction. I came to preach that there's only one way to be saved, whether you're the Baptist deacon or whether... Whether you're a Mormon, a Jehovah Witness, I don't care if you pastored for 50 years, there's only one way to be saved. And let me help you because this is why some people do not witness. This is why the apostolic church has lost their witness. Because they're, they're like, well, why would I do that? They, they, this is why the apostolic church will go off to other denominal churches to find out what they're doing for church growth. Hey, I'm not interested in finding out what the Baptists are doing for church growth or what the non-denominational church churches are doing for church growth. You know the biggest, the biggest charismatic church in Carson City shut down? 
Yeah, they're meeting in a boys and girls club. Well, we should go to them and find out what they know for about church growth. I don't come to offend anybody, but they don't know a whole lot about church growth. They might know how to get a few numbers in the building for a moment, but once that moment's over... We're not looking just to build a flash in the pan. We're looking to send people straight up to heaven. Without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. We're not looking to fit in with everybody else. I don't, I don't really care if we look like everybody else. In fact, I hope we don't. Oh, hallelujah. You don't want to get ahead of myself. I, I hope we don't look like the other church. I hope our preaching doesn't sound like the other church. I hope our worship doesn't look or sound like other churches in the area because people got to know there's a difference about this church. I didn't come to preach tonight, but I might as well. I want you to know you got to be convinced that there's no other way to be saved than being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You can't shake enough preacher's hands, sign enough church membership cards. No, you got to go down in the name of Jesus and come up speaking in other tongues, and you got to live holy too. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We've got to be careful because if we get start thinking, well, well, they're doing all right. They've got nice shows and lights, programs. Let me just tell you, the apostolic church, we might have good programs. We might have good plays. We might have this, that, and the other. But that's not what defines the apostolic church. What defines the apostolic church is our doctrine. And if we're looking to see how we can build a better bonfire uh, instead of trying to send people to heaven, we'll get all mixed up with all the wrong things uh, because Baal knows how uh, to build a better altar and Baal knows how to get a lot more people involved uh, about that altar, cutting themselves. uh, And some folks there are more invested uh, than even those in the apostolic church. Uh, But I'm not looking to them. I want to see where the fire falls. I didn't come to preach tonight, but hey, hallelujah. Let me help somebody. We are not looking to fit in with other churches. So don't be ashamed. Well, I'm just ashamed I'm apostolic. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm young. I'm in my 30s. I, was, I remember being the only apostolic young person in my high school, and I was not ashamed. There was moments where I was scared. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. No, people to know that I was different. But the minute I got the revelation that there's only one way to be saved, I had to be a beacon to my school. I had to be a beacon on my job. I had to let everybody know. But as long as we think everybody else out there is okay, I didn't say we got to go out and defend them and say, brother, you're on your way to hell. No, that's not, that's not a, 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 a excellent instant evangelism. Hallelujah. I didn't say we got to tell everybody, you, you, know, you know, you're straight to the fire. No, we got to tell them how to get out of the fire. I said, we got to tell them how to get out of the fire. We got to tell them that there is a way to be saved. Man, but if we start being wishy washy about whether or not there's more than one way to be saved, and well, they've got good music and they've got good programs, and they, who cares? Who cares? Because programs won't save you. Mm, doctrine will save you, preaching will save you. Amen. So. We've got to be convinced that there's only one way to be saved. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Hallelujah. I 
promise I'm watching the clock here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said amen. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. you got to believe that. Hallelujah. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by, Christ, by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto God. This goes back to what I was talking about a moment ago. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And everybody's going to go somewhere when they die. If you have got lied to and tripped up in the idea that there's some limbo and there's some special get-out-of-hell-free card for other people, I want you to know that is not in the Bible. Jesus did not suffer the afflictions of the cross for no reason. He did not suffer the afflictions of the death, the burial, and then come up out in the resurrection so people can just do whatever they want and still be saved. No, we've still got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. We still have to join him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The purpose of the cross was that in his death, he would bring us life. He suffered so that we would not have to. When Peter preached about Jesus in Acts chapter 2, the people asked in verse 37, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Or what must we do? But because Peter was willing to witness, it made those that listened think about their ultimate destination and it is our job to testify of the grace of God so that lost humanity might be reconciled unto him if you're not convinced of the gospel you will not share the gospel and if you do not share the gospel no one else will be reconciled unto God lift up your hands and let's pray oh come on let's pray We've got to be convinced. We've got to be convinced so we can convince others. We've got to be persuaded so that we might persuade. Peter was not afraid to witness because he got the Holy Ghost. Peter was not afraid to tell people about the gospel because he himself had received the gospel. Peter could have stood up and said, well, whatever you think is right. Whatever your previous religious background tells you, whatever grandma told you, whatever grandpa told you, you go ahead and do whatever they say. No, he stood up and said, then said Peter unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When Peter stood up and told them how they can make it to heaven and what they had to do about crucifying their Savior, he told them the one and only message that has ever worked in history. And if we think we're going to reach our city by telling them any other message, we, have not, we, we, we will not reach anybody. We might draw a crowd. And I'll be real with you. I, I've seen it through, through, through the years up in Washington. There were several churches that said, well, that's not really that important. They were given over the light doctrine. And they did it in hopes that they could grow. They became like every other church so they could grow. And not one of them has grown. 
all they did was lose the real apostolic people. In fact, many of those churches shut down because because they, let, let me just put it this way, and I'm telling you right now, I've seen it more times than I can count. Uh, people that start changing the message and start changing the apostolic church thinking we can go ahead and grow a little faster if we do X, Y, or Z. And, and they've tried it and they thought it would be a good idea. And I've watched as they get into an arena they weren't ready for. Charismatics have been charismatic the whole time. They have perfected the art of being charismatic. And here comes an apostolic doesn't know the first thing about being charismatic. And they think they're going to win the race. I want you to know they've never won the race not one time. Man, we might as well just be apostolic. I said we might as well just be apostolic because people are leaving the charismatic church and coming here. People are leaving the dead, dry, Baptist, Methodist churches, and they're coming here. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've got to believe the gospel, and it is our job as Christians to be the reconcilers. We've been given the word of reconciliation. We've got to open our mouth, which brings me to my next point. How can we practically witness or evangelize? Testify. Yes, it can be that simple. Just open up your mouth and start talking to people about Jesus. I think we've over-spiritualized it and we've made it something that it really isn't. Uh, well, it's for the preacher, it's for the deacon, it's for this person, it's for that person, for the usher, for the singers. No, it's for every individual that's ever been baptized in his name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got a word of reconciliation. If you really believe this gospel and you've got it down in your heart, then it should pour out of your mouth. You don't have to be a religious nut. You don't have to be the one person that everybody knows. Well, they're going to talk to everybody. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't share your spiritual fruits with somebody. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't give people love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. That doesn't mean we shouldn't let the fruits of the Spirit flow out of us. People are looking for love, and they're looking in all the wrong places. And we've got to be those that let it flow out of us. Jesus has all of that and more that this world's looking for. And if you aren't convinced that Jesus is the answer to every problem, you've got to hit your knees and pray until you are fully persuaded. We've got to be the kind of people that will testify to anybody and everybody. Well, I, I don't know that much, preacher. That's okay. What has God done in your life? The Bible says we overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb in our lives has given us a testimony, and we can share it with everybody that we meet. Well, I can't quote scriptures. I didn't take the time to learn them. Okay, that's all right. What has God done? Well, man, if I ask somebody for 30 seconds to tell me what God's done for you in your life. Well, uh, uh, I used to be, or I, you know, I used to be a drug addict. I, you start finding that, and you'll find people that will look at you where you are and say that they just have everything together. And you can go back and say, "Well, hold on, before you think that I always had it together, let me tell you where I was before God." Amen. And then you can take them through your testimony by just telling them. See, there's some folks like talking about everything, but Jesus. Hallelujah. I know there's some good talkers in the church. Hallelujah. I, I, I might be blind, but I'm not deaf. Hallelujah. I know there's good talkers in the church. I know people like to talk about it's too cold in the church. 
music's too loud or too quiet. It's too hot, it's too cold. It's, but they don't want to tell somebody about Jesus. We got a problem. They're quick to complain, but they're not quick to testify. We got to change that. We got to change that. Hallelujah. And I think that that is something that every individual can do. Well, I'm not a preacher. It's okay. You've been given the word of reconciliation. You don't have to blast somebody with some Shakespearean quote. Theest thouest, maybe he mightest odily. You don't have to come by and say, surely thou hast been this way for a long time. Four score and 35 years. No, you don't have to do that. You know what you can do? Hey, man, how you doing today? Oh, you know, not too good. What's going on? You know, simply by testifying, you can win a lot of people. I'll never forget when I first got baptized. I came home, and I told my dad I got baptized. And he said, you're an idiot. 13 years old, dad tell me I'm an idiot. Not the first time. Probably wouldn't have been, been the last time either. But, but he said, you're stupid. Okay? I said, all right. He's like, it'll fade. See, I got a, I got a hard head and a stiff neck. You tell me I can't do something, I'm about to come out swinging. He goes... Yeah, I got baptized when I was younger in a Baptist church. I said, Dad, you weren't baptized the right way. Hallelujah. What do you know about baptism? You just got baptized. I said, Dad, when I came up out of that water, I came out clean. I came out new. See, you were baptized in a Baptist church, Dad. Amen. And nothing happened for you. And your life went downhill. And you got on drugs. And I'm not here to judge. But, Dad, your life went downhill after your baptism. But you watch my life. It's about to go up. And he called me stupid, said I was dumb, said I was an idiot for getting baptized. And you know what? My brother said I was stupid too. And all my family said I, I was dumb. They tried to physically stop me from going to church. They locked doors. They tried. I snuck out the window. I made my way to church. Amen. Because when you want to be saved, ain't nobody going to stop you. And after a little while, it hadn't faded. And I said, Dad, you got to come to church. You got to come to church. I've been to church before, son. Nothing happens in church. I said, you ain't been to the right church. And I said, Dad, you got to come to church. I'd come home every night. He'd be drinking, strung out on the floor. Amen. On my way to church, I'd step over his passed out body. I'd step over my mom's beer bottles. And I'd make my way to the house of God. And I'd come back and he'd be in his drunken stupor. I said, Dad, you missed out on another great service. What was I doing? I didn't know one scripture, but I was testifying of the goodness of the Lord. I think it's time some folks started just open up their mouth and telling people about what God's done. After a little while, 14 years old, I got my brother. I took my brother to church. He said, you're stupid. Cuss me out. And all of a sudden, he was down to his lowest low. He had been cutting himself for years. I said, Sean, you got to come to church. Amen. He, I went to his house after church, and they'd have parties, and they'd sit around smoking and, and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And I'd just be sitting there, and I thought to myself, I shouldn't be here. I looked at my brother and said, you know what? I don't know why, but I feel like God told me I shouldn't be at this party right now. You need to take me home. And he said, what do you mean God told you? I said, I just came from church. He said, church is boring. I said, you ain't been to the right church. Come on. I'm talking about testifying, testifying, testifying. 
He said, what kind of church you been going to? Uh, I heard all this stuff about the church you've been going to. It sounds wild. It sounds crazy. I said, come see it for yourself. My brother walks into church, certain he would burn alive, certain that lightning would strike from heaven. And before it was all said and done, my brother's in the altar with his hands in the air, speaking in other tongues. We baptize him in Jesus' name. And now I got my brother going to church with me. And now we're saying, Dad. And he's saying, you know, is his stepdad. He said, Wes, you got to come to church. you got to come to church. And he saw my brother who used to cut himself, who used to drink, who used to smoke, used to do all sorts of drugs, always depressed, always messed up. And then he saw me. Nothing had faded. And he said, well, maybe there's something to this. And he came to my room late one Wednesday night after service. I'm just getting ready to get changed. And, and, and I got my suit on. And I look at my dad and I said, what's going on? He said, can you tell me about this church you've been going to? Hey, you can reach somebody who just testified. I said, Dad, you were baptized as a Baptist. How were you baptized? He said, well, I was baptized in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I said, Dad, you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Well, you got to get the Holy Ghost. You ever got the Holy Ghost, Dad? I didn't know one scripture. He said, he said no, I heard it's of the devil speaking in tongues because that's how I was raised. I said, Dad, I spoke in tongues, and you know you never took me to church. I never read one verse. I said, Dad, you got to get the Holy Ghost. It's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. And can you believe it? After all that time saying I'm dumb, saying I'm stupid, because I opened up my mouth and would testify. My dad came to church with me. Amen. We took him to the altar. He started speaking in other tongues, and we baptized him in Jesus' name. There's power in your mouth. Somebody lift up your hands. Come on, let's pray. Come on, there's power. There's power. There's power. You've got to be willing to open up your mouth. Acts 4 and 20 said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Maybe you don't know scriptures yet. And I'd say yet because you better get your Bible and read some. But we got to say something. we got to say something. Every time I go into the coffee shop, I'm looking at Eli, Layla, Jake, and I'm saying, man, you miss church. And they're going off to a party in Portland. Man, you ain't been to a party here in Carson. Let me tell you about Apostolic Revival Center. Opening your mouth can produce people being saved. Let me talk about this. Another practical way of being a witness. Be observant. Conversion can come from normal conversation. You could be talking about fishing, but end up talking about Jesus and the scriptures. Don't be afraid to redirect the conversation. I, I wouldn't come out and blast somebody. Hallelujah. Don't just come out and say, have you been baptized in Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost? Okay, I'm not saying that. But you can look for the cue in the conversation. They might say something about church, faith, God, so on and so forth. Use that to turn the conversation. That's exactly what Paul did in Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. We've got to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. We're not here to debate with anybody. In fact... I would, I would venture to say you'll never win anybody off a debate. Well, you get with some Mormons. I used to corner Mormons. They, they, we talk about this men's prayer. They skip my door. And I'd go out there and say, hey, you skip my door. And I want to debate with them. I never want anybody that way. But I will say this. I've won a lot of people this way. 
The Bible says that he's that that it came to pass the wall of Paul was at Corinth. Paul, having passed the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples. How did he know they were certain disciples? He talked with them. He had a conversation with them, and found out what they were believers. And what did he say? He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's a good way to turn a conversation. Hey, how you doing today? Oh, I love fishing. Fishing's great. Yeah, I usually fish after church on Sunday. Oh, great. What church you go to? Oh, Oh, wonderful. Hey, have you, in your church, have you, have you ever got the Holy Ghost? No, what's the Holy Ghost? They said, we've not even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. You'd be shocked how many people don't know what we got is available to them. And he goes, well, wait a minute, you haven't got the Holy Ghost. Well, how were you baptized? Well, I mean, we were baptized into John's baptism. And then he said, well, John barely baptized with, with water, saying you should believe on him that is to come, that is on Christ Jesus. You know what's funny about this is if you look at Matthew chapter 3, there's, there's John baptizing. What is he saying? He's saying you've got to believe on Jesus. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, right? So in other words, these were disciples and believers of John, but didn't even know what John preached. You'd be shocked how many people go to the Baptist church, don't even know what the Baptist church believes or preaches. They go to charismatic church, don't even know what the charismatic church believes or teaches. And so what does Paul do? He starts turning the conversation saying, well, he's not arguing with them. He's saying, do you really know what, what, what John preached and what John believed? And, and, you know, maybe the Baptists don't have a lot in common with the apostolic church, but, you, you, you know, they might read the Bible. So, hey, did you know the Bible that the Baptist church preaches out of? Right? So he starts turning the conversation. The Bible says they were all baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'll never forget, you got to look for cues. I was sitting at my job, and this is why I'm a big advocate of, of going and getting a job because you can be a witness on your job. Most everybody I've ever won has come as a direct result of either meeting them at my job or seeing them come through my jobs or anything like that. Hallelujah. But I'll never forget this girl named Melody came in. And, and I'm, I'm working at the bank and I'm doing my job. And, and uh, I think she, she might have had a friend with her or whatever the case may be. But she had Jesus written on her hand. Well, I'm apostolic. Anybody got Jesus written on their hand, you're looking for trouble. And I'm just waiting for that opportunity. And, 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 and sure enough, they need some help. And, and, and I come over and I make sure I, I get in front and I, I'm the first one to help. And I said, come on back. And, and then I sit and I start helping with financial things. And, and I'm going, okay. And I see the license says Arizona. And I go, oh, wow. What brought you from Arizona to Spokane? And she goes, Jesus did. Okay. All right. So uh, what did God say? When God brought you all the way from Arizona. I'm just asking questions. I'm not here to debate why or whether or not God really talked to you. Oh, yeah, God told me that I'm going to be filled with his spirit. <laughs> all right. I said, awesome. Yeah, I noticed you had Jesus written on your hand. I said, why is that? She goes, to remind me why I'm in Spokane. I said, where do you go to church? Well, I haven't found one yet. I said, well, funny enough, you should ask. I'm actually the youth pastor of this church down the road. And, and you know what we do believe in? We believe in people getting the Holy Ghost. We believe in people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. She came to church. She got the Holy Ghost. She got baptized. We then were able to teach a Bible saying, now single men, let me tell you, you always take somebody with you. Hallelujah. Single ladies do the same. I always brought somebody with me. I want them to know I'm not here for any other reason than to teach you about Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody said hallelujah. But we had a Bible study in their house. 
they, they all have been part of this big charismatic movement. They didn't even know what they believed. And we go in, we start teaching Bible study. There's, there's Melody, and she's already been baptized, already filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's her sister Candace, and she goes, that's not right, that's not true. I said, show me one verse. She couldn't show me one verse. I said, all right, let me show you five, ten, thirty, whatever I got to do. And, and before it's all said and done, she goes, it's in the Bible. We baptized Candace in Jesus' name. She got the Holy Ghost. And then, it didn't stop there. Her cousin wanted to find out about this crazy thing happening. And so what do we do? We found Cody Cobbs. And we started teaching Cody Cobbs a Bible study. And Cody got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. It didn't stop there. They had a bunch of other siblings. They came from a family of seven or eight down in Arizona. And one by one, they started moving their family up to Spokane. And we started baptizing them one by one in Jesus' name. And they were getting the Holy Ghost. And when they came to church, they started doing flips, literal flips. These, these people were gymnasts. And they were doing like five or six flips across the front. But I'm going to tell you right now, they've been saved for about five years Two of them have gotten married to a few other people that we won right there. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, they've never slowed down on their worship. Let me tell you, there's charismatic people that they want the truth. They want the truth. But we've got to be willing to look for those observational. We've got to be willing to listen. Hallelujah. And if we'll listen, we'll hear somebody that's hungry for more. Somebody said amen. Okay. Then we get to the next one. How about teaching Bible studies? We live in the most biblically illiterate generation that's ever lived. Anybody believe that? Well, I don't know that much about the Bible. I promise that just being in this church for more than three weeks, you know more about the Bible than the average churchgoer. Hallelujah. At least that's my goal. Hallelujah. To use enough Bible that people know a little bit more. Hallelujah. But it, is use, it used to be that the church would have to debate their beliefs with other denominations. But nowadays, nobody has a clue what they believe. They don't know why they believe it. You say, oh, do you believe in one God? And the Trinitarian will say, yes, I do. And then you, you don't know where to go from there because they don't really believe in one God. You have to go back and teach them what their denomination believes, and then it gets to this whole deal. But let that never be said of the apostolic church, that we don't know what we believe. We must make it a point to know exactly what we believe and why we believe it so we can share it with everybody else. You do not need to be a theologian to teach a Bible study. So many wait until they feel adequate before they will share what they know about the Bible. Don't fall into this trap. Share what you know. Share about Jesus, salvation, worship, whatever, and watch God honor it. Romans 1 and 16, Paul says it this way. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Matthew 28 and 20. Jesus commands us as his disciples. Well, is witnessing just handing out a church card? No. Because we have a command from Jesus, Matthew 28 and 20. Teaching them. we got to be teachers. Well, I'm not a preacher. That's okay. Everybody's a teacher. I don't feel like I'm a good teacher. <laughs> I didn't say you were a good teacher. Everybody's got to be a teacher because we got the word of reconciliation. Teaching them to observe also th all, all things whatsoever I have commanded unto you. And, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. Amen. Let me help somebody, and we're coming to a close right here. Well, I don't, I've never taught a Bible study. You are missing out on the greatest joy in the apostolic church. 
All right, I'll say that again. You are missing out on the greatest joy of Christian living. When John said, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth, he was not talking about Timmy. He was not talking about Susie. He was talking about the people that he won to God. And, and there's some people that have become stagnant in their walk with God, and they are not happy. There is no more joy. I'll tell you why there's no joy in living for God. Because the real joy is in helping somebody else live for God. Uh, <laughs> I'll park there for a moment if I have to. There is no greater joy in the Christian living, in the apostolic church, than taking somebody from where they are and bringing them all the way. And we're going to do a whole teaching on discipleship before it's all said and done. Because it's not just, and I'm going to talk about this, it's not just about handing out a card. That's part of it. You don't just, oh, come to church, bye. We've got to be disciple makers. We've got to teach people. Amen. And, 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 and you know what that takes? Time. It takes money. It takes your energy. It takes opening your home. Oh, my goodness. It takes all these things. But when it's all said and done, there is no greater joy. I'll never forget, we got in contact with, with a young lady. Her name was Ellen. Her, her grandpa was the Russian Baptist bishop of the entire area told her whole life that speaking in tongues is of the devil told her whole life you don't get baptized in jesus name that's of the devil and we got into a bible study and 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 we got a few young people and and we're talking about a, a young lady that's going to eastern washington university well educated well well educated people don't want god check yourself because that's wrong well educated people do want god in fact the more education you get the more you're going to realize you need God. Amen. And so it was there. We started teaching Ellen a Bible study. And finally, after, after weeks and months of teaching and going back and forth, well, she'd bring out this and bring out that. Well, my grandpa and my uncle said this and my uncle said that. And, and what about this? And we're sitting there just going back and forth, Scripture for Scripture, teaching a Bible study. Finally, Ellen sees it. She's baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And after a few years, she goes and, and she finds a young man on her college campus. And she says, you need to come to Bible study. He comes to Bible study. And we go back and forth because he was raised in a charismatic church and he drinks on Saturday and plays guitar at the biggest church in Spokane, amen, on Sunday and he's sick and tired uh, of that kind of Christian life uh, and we go back and forth John 3, 16, what about John 3, 1 through 8 uh, and we're going back and we're just talking about the Bible, he gets baptized he gets the Holy Ghost and they're pastoring a church in Spokane Washington today in other words, if we'll teach Bible studies, they will go teach Bible studies, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray Let's stand all across the building. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, y'all be blessed. I've only taught for 45 minutes tonight. Thank you, Jesus. If we will reach out and just be willing to observe the conversation, just be willing to open our mouths and testify, if we would be willing just simply to teach a Bible study, maybe you're not the person that teaches Bible studies because you're not secure in it yet. Let me put that that way, yet. Because I think everybody ought to have the joy of seeing somebody be saved that they've worked on for a long time. You know, you don't have a whole lot of time for criticism when you're reaching somebody for Jesus. Not a whole lot of time to get critical of everything else if you're reaching people for Jesus. Let me talk about one more way that you can be involved in excellence of evangelism. Maybe you're not good at public speaking, but you can 
always hand out one of these. Maybe you can go to your work, pin one up on the wall. Make sure you have the backside showing too so they know where it's at. Maybe you're the kind of person that just loves going through Dutch bros. Come on, brothers in Jesus, hallelujah. We're going to baptize some of those Dutch bros folks, amen. We're going we're gonna to see them saved, hallelujah. But maybe you can just grab one of these. Say, hey, what are you doing on Sunday? Well, I, I don't know, I work. Hey, come be with us. Especially some of you young people. We're going to have a revival of young adults. I said we're going to have a revival of young adults. We're going to have a revival in our college campuses. We're going to have a revival in our high schools. We're going to have a revival in our middle schools. I've seen it happen before. I will see it again. But maybe you're the kind of person that you're not that good at doing the teaching, but you're really good at drawing a crowd. People are just drawn to you. You don't know why. Maybe it's because you're as funny looking as I am. People just, I get weird people talking to me all the time. Am I right, sisterhood? Okay. I just draw people. I don't know why. Hey, use that to your advantage. Maybe you're not the one that wants to teach them a Bible study, but Brother Ray is will. Brother Jonathan's looking for a Bible study. Hey, I'll teach them a Bible study. Brother Diaz will teach them a Bible study. I know several people that will teach them a Bible study. Maybe you can just say, hey, you can, you can come with me. You can sit next to me. You can come. Hey, come to my house afterwards. We'll have food. Food wins souls. Somebody said amen. Pull up my last verse. Or I'm sorry, um, Luke chapter 14, verse 21. Hallelujah. The Bible says, so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly. Oh, let me preach about quickly. Go out quickly into the streets and into the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant, and the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And look at this part. And yet, there is room. Church, it's a sad day when we still got room. But then he says this. And the Lord said to the servant, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Church, we got a lot of empty seats. I know it's Wednesday night. That's typically how Wednesday night gets. But you know what? Until every seat's filled, why don't we invite them, compel them? I'll cook for you. I'll take you out to get a burger. I'm, I, we're going we're gonna to open up and we're going to knock out this wall back in this back area. We're going to put in a little coffee shop. I don't care. We've got to give out donuts and cupcakes, whatever we got to do to see people saved. We've got to be willing to be witnesses. God gave us the Holy Ghost, and this house has got to be filled. And when we fill this house, he's going to send us to another place, and we're going to fill that house. And when that one's full, he's going to send us to the next one. You know when God's going to put us in a new building? When we filled up every seat, put a few chairs out. That's when he, he can't help but open up another door. He can't help but say, if they'll do that with what they have, what will they do with more? Lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm done teaching. Come on, let's pray all across the building. 
Come on, God is calling everybody to be a witness. Whether you are 13 years old or you are 95 years old, God is calling you to be a witness unto him. God is calling you to reach out into this city to find somebody that you work with, to find somebody that's in the highway, the hedges, the main, the hall, the poor, whoever, that his house can be filled. Oh, let's pray. Come on, let's pray all across the building. Come on, our church is called Apostolic Revival Center because there's people here that want to be effective in their evangelism and effective in their witness so we can fill this city with revival. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? Let's pray, God. Open up the door for me to be effective as a witness. Open up the door for me to speak to somebody. Open up the conversation so I can tell somebody about your love. Open up the door so I can help somebody come all the way. Come on, hallelujah. If evangelism is not your heartbeat, I would check your Holy Ghost. If winning souls is not your heartbeat, I would have your heart checked. I'd have your Holy Ghost checked. Because that's why you got the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray. Come on, that's the heartbeat of God. And that's the heartbeat of the church. God, help me to win somebody. Help us to win children. Help us to win young people. Help us to win young adults. Help us to win middle age. Help us to win the elderly, God. They might be in a retirement center, but Lord, open the door. God, help us to win the incarcerated. Help us to win those in the society of sin. They don't want the world needs Jesus. Starting your heart again. Come on, he's got the defibrillator out. 
He's shocking your heart back to life. It's about souls. It's not about position. It's about winning somebody to God. Somebody pray. Come on. Revival's right here in this revelation. Make us witnesses, God. Make us witnesses, God. The world doesn't want them. The church does. If the world doesn't want them, the church does. 